The Great Eight continues on the Biz Women Rock podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. Could not be more excited that you're here because you are in the middle of our great eight. The eight most downloaded shows in the entire history of the Biz Women Rock podcast. And I have a special one for you today because we're celebrating number six. I kind of had a Casey Kasem moment. You guys remember Casey Kasem (laughs) on like the top 20 countdown every Sunday? I used to listen to that every single Sunday growing up. Uh, It just felt like that. I I feel like I should tell you like a love story about uh, that is inspiring this next song. That's usually what Casey Kasem would do. (laughs) Anyway, um, it is kind of a love story because the woman who's being featured as our number six most downloaded show of all time is the amazing Kate Erickson. And truth be told, I did fall in love with her after this conversation. (laughs) You hear that, Kate? Um, uh, So here's what happened. Let me give you a little bit of a background. This original interview was done in 2014, so quite some time ago, and it was done during a series that I was doing on women in podcasting. So Kate and her partner, John Lee Dumas, they are partners in life and business partners, have Entrepreneur on Fire, wildly successful podcast, massive inspiration behind the Biz Women Rock podcast, and um, they're just amazing. They're one of those, they're that couple who like, you don't want to like them because they're so disgustingly successful at like everything that they do because they're so focused and stupidly smart <laughs> in business. Um, but you you can't help but loving them because they really truly are so genuine, so giving, so sweet, and so passionate about what they're doing. So um, I I think that this was the first time I knew of Kate and this was the first time that we actually had a conversation, got to know each other, and a lot has happened since this interview. So Kate now has another podcast called Kate's Take, which is the audio blog of the Entrepreneur on Fire um, community, uh, which they call Fire Nation. Uh, And they've just built out a whole hell of a lot of things since this, okay? So if you want to find out more about Kate and Entrepreneur on Fire and everything that they've got going on, Go to eofire.com, okay? But yes, truth be told, I did fall in love with Kate after this conversation and mostly because, uh, well, A, she's awesome, but B, because she and I are sort of one and the same. We are systems geeks. We love automation. We love systemization. We love flowcharts and (laughs) um, taking 12 steps and making it one or two. So um, and we both had very, very, very similar experiences, as you will be able to hear, like she and John working together, uh, me and Chris working together. Uh, so it's just absolutely amazing. So anyway, you're gonna love this conversation. And um, yeah, it's just fantastic. So here we go with number six of the great eight, the eight most downloaded shows of all time on the Biz Women Rock podcast, Miss Kate Erickson. We continue our series on women in podcasting this week, and today's guest is Kate Erickson. Now, you're not going to find Kate's face on the front of any podcast. You're not going to even find Kate actually hosting a podcast, but Kate is absolutely foundational and integral in the huge podcast success that is Entrepreneur on Fire. 
Its host, John Lee Dumas, is her boyfriend. And Kate's got an incredible story about how she was there as a part of the start of the podcast, what role she played at the beginning, and how she eventually transitioned from corporate into being part of the team of Entrepreneur on Fire. Just to lay some groundwork, the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast is a daily podcast that are interviews with really incredible business owners and entrepreneurs, and it was launched in late 2012. Since then, Entrepreneur on Fire has been one of the huge independent success stories in the podcasting space, not only for the giant community that it's reached, they get over 500,000 unique downloads every single month but also because of the actual business model that they have successfully created. They are now earning six figures every single month. And Kate's really going to not only give us her story as to how she came into it and what her business background is, but she's also going to really talk about podcasting as it stands, what's going on in the podcasting space, and kind of opening the curtains and showing us behind the scenes on how Entrepreneur on Fire works, how that podcasting space works. So... I know you're going to love it. I was completely inspired by Kate, loved our conversation, and I know you will too. So turn up the volume. The interview starts now. Kate, thank you so much for being here today on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm really excited to be here, Katie. And I am so stoked to be able to tell your story from the podcasting space because you guys have created such an incredible podcasting space, a great podcast, a great community around all this. And you have a very unique role in Entrepreneur on Fire. And so I really want to get behind the scenes as to what you guys are doing. So first and foremost, what I want to talk about is what were you doing before the Entrepreneur on Fire experience for you? So right before Entrepreneur on Fire, I was working on an advertising and marketing agency and I was doing account management. So I was basically the liaison between the client and the agency. So anything the client needed done in the marketing advertising space, I would have a meeting with them. They'd communicate it to me. Then I'd figure out a way to communicate that to our design team. So I was kind of the intermediary there. And that was immediately before I joined Entrepreneur on Fire. That's probably what I would consider my my biggest career before that. I was also in banking for a time, but that was kind of more out of necessity than actual want. And, you know, your immediate connection to Entrepreneur on Fire and sort of how you got introduced to that is really the fact that you and John are dating. You've been dating for quite some time. And this was an admission that he had started back in 2012. Now, tell us the story of exactly how you really got involved with it. I mean, obviously, you were watching your boyfriend, you know, going through this experience of launching a podcast. But how did you really get involved? Well, I would really say that I was involved from the very beginning. When John told me that he wanted to start the podcast, I you know, was on board right away. I thought it was an amazing idea. I knew how savvy John was. So when he told me that he was going to leave his comfy corporate job to go start a podcast, I didn't really hesitate or think like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? From the very beginning, just because of my advertising and marketing background, and I also have a strong writing background, I was pretty involved in the business from the start because we were really collaborating on a lot of stuff together, even though I was still at my advertising and marketing job at the time. So I would say I was kind of behind the scenes uh, in some respects since the beginning. And then it wasn't until, you know, maybe five, six months after he launched that John actually came to me and said, what do you think about joining the team? And the first time that he asked me about it, I was kind of freaked out about it. You know, I hadn't really thought about leaving my job because I actually really liked my job a lot at the time. And so 
in the beginning, it was kind of like a, no, I don't really know. I wasn't really sure where I saw myself in the business at that time. And so for me, it was kind of like a, let's table that and maybe we can continue talking about it. But I wasn't really ready to jump in and be a equal part of the business just because I didn't really know how I fit there. So that's kind of how it started. And we continued talking about it. And at the time where I did kind of see that space for myself, where I did see where I could add value to the podcast and the business as a whole, that's when we really started seriously talking about it. Did he use any unique tactics to try and sort of hold that carrot out in front of you? <laughs> well, yeah, of course, that when you go home and, and spend the night with somebody, it's like you talk about, you know, your day and, and frustrations. And, you know, John was a big sounding board for me at my uh, last position. And so when I would talk to him about stuff, it would kind of be like, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about this stuff if you were working with me. <laughs> <laughs> Very so, sly. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he had his ways. I love it. So so once you did come on board with him, you know, and, and with the Entrepreneur on Fire, can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like going through that transition? So many of our listeners are working in corporate and they're very good at what they do. They might even really love their jobs, but they really have this craving to be an entrepreneur, to do their own thing. And there's definitely a shift that needs to happen. So can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you? It is a huge shift, Katie. And I hear so many people that I talk to on a daily basis, like they just can't wait to jump ship from corporate and be their own, you know, boss. And I was really excited for all of those things too, but I was really, really scared about it because for me, corporate brought me a lot of comfort and security. I really liked getting a paycheck every other week. And I really liked knowing that if I was in a car accident or something that I wouldn't have to worry about my hospital bills. I mean, a lot of those things are really, really scary to give up. And that transition was really difficult for me. Not at any point in time did I regret that decision to come on board with Entrepreneur on Fire because being an entrepreneur and running a business with John and us, you know, calling the, our sh our own shots is there's nothing like it ever. I've never felt this way before. It just in general, how happy and satisfied I am with the life that I'm living right now. But it was very difficult. There was times when I missed waking up and getting dressed up and going to an office. And there's probably a lot of people that think I'm crazy for saying that. But when that's your routine, when that's what you're used to, it is difficult to shift away from that. You know, sometimes when I talk to John about it, he says that you need a sense of not accomplishment, but I guess of acceptance. And when you're working by yourself, it's hard to get that because you don't have a manager who's saying, oh, great job, Kate. Like you really did great with this project. Or, um, you know, of course, I don't have that paycheck coming in every other week like I did in the corporate world. And so those adjustments are hard to make. But I think I'm finally in a spot where I just feel so good about everything that we're doing and I get, you know, all the satisfaction and things that I need from our audience who is so amazing and from John as as a partner I, it's been really important to have that support so I think I'm finally there where I'm just 100% so glad I'm not in corporate anymore. And Kate, what is your role in the company? 
So I'm the content manager and community leader. I pretty much create all of the content for Entrepreneur on Fire. And I mean, outside of the podcast. So John is the full podcast man. And then um, what I do is I create content for our blog. I am creating our campaigns for our products and our services. I am managing our communities, which are Fire Nation Elite and Podcasters Paradise. I manage the websites, the membership sites for both of those communities. And I really act as the the person who's creating, like if we have opt-in giveaways or creating emails every week for our audience, our newsletters, I'm the one behind all of that creation. So it's definitely a very, very rewarding and fun job to have. Writing is something that I've always wanted to do and interacting with people is something that I just absolutely love as well. So working with a community is so exciting for me. And then I also kind of head our virtual team. So I'm kind of behind the task management and delegation for our two virtual assistants that we have. I think that's so interesting. Kate, you and I actually share a lot of commonalities in the fact that sort of our roles within companies that we share with our partners, you know, I have a a company with my husband, a local uh, entrepreneurs group here in Tampa Bay. And that really from the get go is a lot of my responsibility. So it's so fascinating, because you guys really come together. And one thing I will say, is that as the the community manager, really, you, I really have to give you a plug because you do a phenomenal job. I am a part of your Podcasters Paradise community. I recommend it to everyone. If you're listening and you're interested in podcasting, you have to be part of this community. It's amazing. And one thing that I will say as a shout out to you, Kate, is that you are so on it with being able to respond very quickly to everyone, being able to set up forums that are really just very valuable for all of your members. So when you talk about the community that you manage, that is not a small project and you do it very, very well. So kudos to you on that first and foremost. But the other thing I really want to mention is that you guys really, like you're very defined on your roles. Like you know what you do, he he knows what you do, you know what he does, all that sort of stuff. But how do you guys actually balance the roles that you have from business partners to boyfriend and girlfriend and a couple? Like, how do you guys actually manage that? Awesome question. First of all, thank you so much for saying all that amazing stuff about Podcasters Paradise and my community management. I really, really appreciate that. And something I'm very passionate about. So I'm glad that it shows through. So thank you. And then for your question about managing our roles professionally and then and then moving that over to the personal side of things. Um, It's been something that we've worked on a lot because neither of us had done that before. It it wasn't something that I had ever done before. And so when I first came on board, you know, it was really difficult for me to really be having conversations about business, what seemed like all the time for me. And I think that because John and I have such open lines of communication, I was never, ever hesitant to be like, you know what, John, I just don't want to talk about business right now. Can we just cut it off? And, And he's very open as well. So if there ever comes a time when we feel like we need to turn the business side off or we need to get serious about business too, conversely, um, we're very open about that kind of stuff. So I think the communication between the two of us is we wouldn't be able to do it if we weren't as comfortable as we are with each other. We really set aside specific time to spend together. It's very easy to get wrapped up in your business, as I'm sure you know. And when you're passionate about something, you don't really think of it like you're doing work all the time. You're doing something that you love to do. So it's easy to kind of lose track of time. But John and I are very careful to set aside specific time, like at night when we're having dinner or watching a TV show, we're completely in it. We're spending time together as boyfriend and girlfriend. Then we also set aside time on the weekends for that as well. So that's worked really well for us. 
That's awesome. And I can totally attest to that as well. It's that time separated with each other is very, very great. So what have been some of the toughest moments for you thus far in this business endeavor? Like I was saying before, the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship was was pretty tough for me. I think not having like that office full of support was really difficult for me. I'm kind of a person that looks for validation a lot. And not having that, I constantly found myself putting stuff out there, creating content or communicating with with our communities and just kind of sitting there wondering, you know, am I doing a good job? Am I giving people what they want? Are people finding my content helpful? And for me, before I was able to just feel comfortable with going out to the community and literally asking them like, hey, do you guys find this helpful? Until I felt more comfortable in doing that, I was really at a loss. I'd work really, really hard the entire day. And at the end of the day, I kind of sit there and wonder, Am I doing what's right? Am I doing something that's good? That was probably my biggest struggle. Kate, I really want to transition this conversation into talking specifically about podcasting. This is really a series dedicated to the women of podcasting. And you are definitely in that space. The role that you have with Entrepreneur on Fire, really, uh, you guys really have your thumb on the pulse of what's going on within podcasting as an industry and also within all of these individual podcasters and wanting to be podcasters who are coming up within your communities that you're building. So First and foremost, I want to kind of just lay the groundwork. Entrepreneur on Fire launched in 2012. John launched completely from scratch. Zero listeners, zero community, zero dollars in revenue. Just so that we have an idea of the scale, how big is your community now? Like how many listeners do you have? How, how many people do you have in your communities? Wow. Well, Podcasters Paradise is currently over 750 members. Our Fire Nation Elite Tribe is purposely capped at 100 because we really want people to get that value out of being in that mastermind. And Fire Nation, our our community as a whole, wow, that's (laughs) that's big. We average over 500,000 monthly downloads for the podcast. So um, that kind of gives you an idea of our reach and, um, you know, are downloaded in over 124 countries around the world. So our reach in terms of our community is, is pretty big. And it's amazing that this community was fully built on a podcast. That's it. It wasn't an, a compliment to an already existing business. So it, it really goes to show you the power of podcasting and, and how, how big we've grown an audience just from that. And sort of the extra repercussion of that or the the added benefit from that has been that as far as a revenue generator in a business model, you guys, you guys are pretty consistently up to six figures per month of revenue generation. And that goes, we're going to get into that a little bit later, but that really goes to show that you're, you know, offering products and services that your, your community that you've built is really asking for. So I really just wanted everyone to get the kind of the idea of scale of what kind of growth that you have experienced over these past, you know, two years, not even two years, really. So I want to know what, what goals did entrepreneur fire have in the very beginning and what are the goals now well in the very beginning when john launched his goal was to get people to listen to the podcast and be inspired by it and you know that's really what it started with john wanted to create something that provided inspiration to people the same way that he was looking for something to provide inspiration to himself and so in the beginning the goal was just to get it out there and get people listening to it and having people actually get value from it And once that started, our goals kind of shifted to 
how many listeners we had. We wanted to increase our download numbers because we knew the more downloads we had, the bigger our audience was going to grow. And then once our audience started to grow, our, our goal shifted to how many people can we attract to our website so that we can provide them even more information outside of the podcast. How do we drive people to a website where we have a blog and resources and other information for them? And after that, it became a matter of how do we provide products and services that these people will buy from us. So our goals have really progressed in a very natural way, I would say. I don't think that John and I have ever set a goal that we thought was impossible, but we definitely reach really far because we know that in order to continue growing and moving forward as a business and for us personally, that those have to be strong goals. You know, you talked about one of those goals was really building your audience. Can you give us some like actual facts or ideas or tips on what did you actually do to build your audience? Well, a huge part of growing our audience was we knew that we needed to get big names on the show because that's what attracted people to want to listen to the podcast. So when John was pulling in people like Seth Godin and Gary Vaynerchuk and Barbara Corcoran, even in the very beginning, Pat Flynn, Pat Flynn was very well known in the industry and he had a huge audience. So we knew that if we could get those people on the podcast, that they would be sharing it with their audiences. And if they shared it with their audiences, we knew that we were providing enough value in the podcast and that these stories were you know, of successful and inspiring entrepreneurs, that there was people out there who wanted to hear those stories. So that was our that was kind of the main thing was to utilize other people's audiences to build our own. And on top of that, you know, sort of bringing, I call them the big guns, you know, bringing the big guns over to you guys and really kind of bringing their audience with you. In addition to that, throughout this year and a half, two years, what marketing strategies have you used to continue building your audience and to continue getting listeners? Well, one thing that's just amazing about the internet today and social media and all of that is, you know, social proof and people talking about us. We have a really amazing following, a very loyal following. Fire Nation is, they're rock stars. They talk about us everywhere. We find people coming to us that say, oh, I heard about you from a friend today and they told me that I have to start listening and I'm hooked. Like, I'm never going to stop listening. So that was really huge for us. Another thing that we did was a lot of guest posting and John's been on a lot of other podcasts podcasts. And that really helps too. I mean, it's not just about getting big names on your own podcast. And I'll clarify too, that I don't think that getting big names on your podcast is the only way to grow it. I think that having smaller names is sometimes even more beneficial to keep on the same track here. John being on other people's podcasts, like when he was on Pat Flynn's podcast, we had we saw amazing growth from that because people who listen to Pat Flynn's podcast religiously heard John and then they're like, wait a second, I got to go check this guy out. So guest posting to really get our name out there that way on bigger blogs that have huge followings. And then also John being on other podcasts really worked well for us too. Oh, those are all very, very great ideas. And I'm just going to finalize up this sort of section of what we're talking about with this question. How did you actually get Gary Vaynerchuk on your show? How did you get Seth Godin? How did you get Barbara Corcoran? How did you actually get those big guns to get booked on the show? So the very first interviews that John did on Entrepreneur on Fire, he went to New Media Expo in New York. This was when they still had it in New York. It was in the summer of 2012. And John walked up to these people and introduced himself and told him told them what he was doing. This was 
maybe a month after he had the idea to start the podcast. So he hadn't actually built anything yet. He didn't have anything to show people, but he knew that if he could get in front of these people and share his passion with them in person and say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm trying to deliver to an audience. This is how passionate I am about it. This is why I'm passionate about it. Will you please help me? And luckily those people said yes. And it was Pat Flynn and Adam Baker and Derek Halpern and a lot of these bigger names in the industry. And once John had them on the show, he was able to use their names to go to Seth Godin and to go to Gary Vaynerchuk. And by the time he was having names like that on the show and and like Barbara Corcoran, you know, then it was a matter of sharing our download numbers because by that time we were actually seeing really good download numbers. So he not only was able to say, hey, look at all these industry leaders that I have on my podcast as guests, look at the download numbers we're getting as well. So it was showing those people that there was something in it for them too. If Gary Vaynerchuk had something he wanted to share, you know, obviously Gary Vaynerchuk has an enormous audience already and Seth Godin has an enormous audience already. But the fact that they could share it with more people was something appealing as well. Probably the number one question I get when I tell people that I have a podcast is, how do you make money off of that? Can you monetize that? (laughs) So can you, Entrepreneur on Fire has sort of been one of the major stand-up leaders in how a podcast can actually be a very viable and very lucrative business. Can you talk about what your business model is with Entrepreneur on Fire and how you actually generate revenue as a company? Well, Katie, you're definitely not alone because that's still the first question that people ask us as well. (laughs) So uh, right now we have multiple income streams, which John and I both feel strongly about is very important for any entrepreneur, no matter what you're doing, but especially with a podcast, because if you don't have multiple income streams and you're only relying on one, if something happens with that, all of a sudden your business is gone. So that was something that we strove for in the very beginning is What are different ways that we could earn income instead of just focusing on one single way so that we can, you know, really start to grow our business? And, you know, in the very beginning, that was John doing coaching sessions. That was John doing individual sponsorships just for personal, not big companies, just personal um, sponsorships for businesses or other entrepreneurs. And then that was his first ebook podcast launch, which is still selling on Amazon today. Those were, you know, the very beginning ways that we were earning income and then affiliates as well. You know, Bluehost has an affiliate program. Amazon has an affiliate program. Audible has an affiliate program. So those were some of the companies that we reached out to, to set up affiliate programs with. And then also others in our industry who are selling their, their own products and services. And so affiliate income income was another one that we were bringing in in the beginning. And then it was probably about in April of of 2013 that we started bringing on bigger sponsors, you know, corporate sponsors like Audible. Before it was just an Audible program where we would drive people to the site, then it became actually spots on the podcast, Entreport and FreshBooks and 99designs and and some of these other bigger companies. So sponsorships is a huge income generator for us, especially given the daily podcast, because a lot of people who are only doing weekly or biweekly podcasts, sponsorships are still great, but you're not going to see, you know, the $40,000 a month that we're bringing in from sponsorships right now. And then that also our income spread to building communities when we saw the need for a mastermind community, we built that. It's a recurring revenue model. So we have, you know, 100 members in that group who are paying monthly to be a part of that. And then also Podcasters Paradise, which 
is a lifetime membership. And we continue to raise the price on that as we continue to add to the community. So there, there are actually a lot of people that kind of cautioned against us setting Podcasters Paradise up that way. But we made almost $112,000 off from Podcasters Paradise last month. So I, I think the way we have it set up is going pretty well. Yeah, I would say so. And I will caution anyone who's listening right now because back in December, we knew that we wanted to sign up for Podcasters Paradise. And I think it was, you guys had even run a special on like, $297 or something ridiculously low and I just waited and I waited and I waited and by the time I was quote unquote ready to join it was it was up to a thousand dollars but and I still invested and it paid for itself and then some within the first 24 hours of getting all of the education behind the scenes but the prices continue to go up so I am a very big believer of take action when you know that you want something just take it because you never know what's going to be happening and it's a huge value so That's awesome. I'm really glad you feel that way. Podcasts can definitely be a monetization strategy, can definitely be a great business model, and you guys are proving that. What has been maybe some of the most surprising, whether they're good or challenging, elements of leading a podcast community? Wow. I would have to say just the overwhelming amount of support that we get from our community. There is absolutely no feeling like hearing from people how we're inspiring them and how we're changing their life. And, you know, before you go out there and share your knowledge and share whatever expertise you have with an audience, you really, you don't feel that, you know, you have a lot of fear or maybe you hold back a lot thinking like, oh, I don't really know that much, or I'm not really good enough to provide these people with this information. I'm not really an expert. And once you just really gain the confidence to believe that you are and go out and start delivering that, I would say one of the most amazing surprises that has been so wonderful is just the amount of support we get from our community. It's really, really, really amazing. With your vantage point of where you guys sit in the podcasting space, I know John was invited by iTunes to sort of go and brainstorm and and be part of the conversation about the kind of the status of iTunes and what the future is of iTunes. So you guys are very on the cusp of what's going on with the podcasting space. And you've dealt with so many folks who have started their podcasts, have been able to get your support to start those things, or have been in the podcasting space for quite some time. In your opinion, What do you see that's the biggest difference between those whose podcasts make it and those who don't? Gosh, the biggest difference? If I had to pick just one, I would say it's all about your mindset. I I see a lot of people that launch a podcast and they say, well, I'm doing everything you told me to. You know, I launched and I had three episodes and then I've been doing it every week, but but that person might not be actually listening to their avatar, to their audience. They might not be providing their audience with what they need because if they were, then their audience would be there listening to them. And for whatever reason, they're not. So it's not really so much about following this formula of launch, then get into a noteworthy, then blow up and then be a huge podcast. No, there's a lot of time and energy that goes into really studying who your avatar is and finding out what your avatar's pain points are and what they're looking for. And when you start providing that and you know that there's somebody out there looking for that, that's when you're going to grow a podcast. I think that's great feedback and I think totally true. Kate, I want to get into some of the stats so everyone listening can really understand kind of the status of where podcasting is. So can you go through a couple of statistical numbers with us? How many people are listening to podcasts on a global scale? Oh my goodness. Well, there there are over 575 million active subscribers in iTunes right now. So that many people are not only listening to podcasts, they've subscribed to podcasts and are listening to them regularly. 
And, uh, you know, of those hundreds of millions that are coming and listening, what do you think is the ratio of men to women listeners? You know, Katie, I, I read this in the in a report, and, and this was for 2012, so I can imagine that, you know, it, it's probably much the same, but might have changed for 2013. And the ratio is pretty even. I think it slightly um, tilts to male, but I wouldn't say by more than 5%, probably. So it, it, it's pretty equal. And can you talk about really, you know, sort of the rapid growth of podcasting? Because there's that many people coming and listening, but it's, I mean, there's so much buzz in the space about podcasting and it's sort of this new frontier. Can you talk about the the rate of growth that podcasting is having? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a good proof of that is, you know, stitchers going into car dashboards now. I mean, who would have ever thought that podcasting would be available in your car dashboard? And that's how rapidly this is growing. That's how rapidly podcasting is is moving up in the scene is that automobile makers are putting it in their in the dashboards of their cars. They they actually see that as a selling point for people. Y- you better believe John and I were at the Mazda dealer just a few months ago getting our Mazda 3 because we heard that Mazda was one of the first ones doing the Stitcher app. Podcasting has now become the number one lead generator to iTunes. So whereas people used to flock to iTunes for the music side of it, now people are flocking to iTunes for the podcasting side of it. And not only that, iTunes is really its own search engine in and of itself. You go to iTunes, you can search for categories, you can search for keywords just the same way that you would in Google. And people are really taking advantage of that because they know that they can go to iTunes, they can go to the podcasting section, and they can search for targeted on-demand content. It's exactly what they want. It's not any fluff. It's not, oh, maybe I'll get this out of this show. It's very targeted and a great way to reach a, a wide audience. So with all of these increasing numbers, all of these increasing eyes and the increasing platforms, what do you see as what we can expect for podcasting in the year of 2014? Oh, well, I I really think that 2014 is just going to be the year of the podcast. I mean, so many people are talking about it. So many new podcasts are being added to the iTunes store every day. And something that we heard Michael Stelzner talk about just at Social Media Marketing World here in San Diego a couple weeks ago is that 2014 is going to be the year of the niche podcast. So people are not only realizing how specific they can get with their audience, they're also realizing how specific they can get with their content. And I really see podcasting in 2014 being something that not just people start because they they just want to have a podcast, but already established business businesses who are doing amazing as it is, I think they're also going to start to see the value of adding a podcast to their marketing mix as another way to reach their audience. Obviously, so much has changed since you stepped out of corporate and have been on this journey with the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast and community. How do you think that you've evolved during this time as a leader and as a business person? I've gained so much confidence since I left the corporate world. It's really sad for me to look back and and see how much I let my position, my salary, and all of those things hold me back and really define who I was. And the personal growth that I've undergone, just moving into my own space and really kind of moving into my own period is really, really special. It's really amazing for me. Um, so just the confidence that I've gained and becoming, you know, my my own boss um, has, has really helped me a lot. And I would just say overall, I've just been, uh, you know, my eyes have been opened up to a whole new world. I 
never thought that something like this would be possible. I never thought that I'd be, you know, sitting in my home working, looking out the window at a beautiful bay view. It's really opened my eyes to a whole world of possibilities that I didn't even know existed before. And Kate, what advice would you give to anyone listening who either has an interest in possibly starting a podcast or is already in the first couple of steps of having a podcast? What advice would you give to them? I would give them the advice if they haven't already, like I was talking about before, sit down and define your avatar, get to know them. Who are they? What do they like to do? What's their family like? What are their struggles? Where are they at in their life right now? And then what are you going to do to provide them with value or with information that's going to help them? Because I, I really feel that that's where it all starts. It all starts with you actually recognizing and understanding who you're providing value for in order to be able to create that value. Kate, what drives you? What what fuels that fire inside of you? The community. It, it's, it's all about the community. I mean, I get so fired up when I get emails from people and they're like, Kate, Podcasters Paradise is awesome. Or Kate, Fire Nation Elite has changed my life. I wouldn't have been able to start my business without it. That's why I do this. I, I do this because I absolutely love helping people realize the potential that they have and helping people open up those doors and really see what I've gotten to see through starting Entrepreneur on Fire. Kate, I really want to conclude this conversation by asking you, what is the vision that you and John have for Entrepreneur on Fire and what new projects do you guys have coming up? Gosh, the vision that we have for Entrepreneur on Fire, it's grown a lot, but it really hasn't changed since the very beginning. John and I want to inspire millions of people. That's what we started Entrepreneur on Fire as, and, and that's always been you know, our goal and, and what we're striving for. And some of the things that we're working on right now, um, we just had our first live webinar for webinar on fire which is going to be a product course that teaches people how to create and present webinars that convert john and i see webinars as such a powerful way to you know present and give value to your audience and at the same time help you market and sell your products it's worked so well for us that we know it can work really well for other people if they know how to do it right and so we're putting together a course that's going to walk people through how to do that we're really excited about it kate I really just want to thank you so much for being on the show today, for sharing your story, for giving us really an insider's view on what happens with Entrepreneur on Fire, why you guys have been so successful. And I just, I'm so grateful that you're so willing to kind of open those curtains and share all that information with us. And I just got to say, you are a total rock star businesswoman. I mean, the the you know evolution that you have made, the things that you are doing, I can attest as being a part of your community. You guys are just doing such a great job and it's it's a very strong team effort. So thank you so much for sharing your experience here with us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. I had a blast chatting with you. It was really great to be on the mic with you and it was really great to get to be in front of your audience. That's awesome. Thank you guys.